0: Anybody got a Bible in the house? Well, humor me. Let's hold them up, shake them. Hopefully, no dust falls off on your neighbor. We'll make the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and we will chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Let's get serious. We're warriors, right? Na, 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 na. Okay, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I guess we made it past six o'clock yesterday, and nobody got wrapped. Where's Pastor John? Uh-oh. Did did he get wrapped? And we're oh no. No, I think we made it, but you know, you need to live every day like he is coming. Amen. Pastor started a started a message series about choices, and I'm going to continue in that vein. And I have a message entitled today, choose not to lose. Let's say that together. Choose not to lose. Amen. Because the choices you make today will determine your future. Young people that are standing here, the choice they make, the college or what they're going to do will determine their future. But every day we make choices that can determine your future. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. You know, Some decisions aren't necessarily a matter of life and death. You know, whether I put on my brown socks or my black socks is probably really not going to change things much. At least I didn't think that Monday night when I went to my daughter's mentoring banquet at Redwater. I figured I'd just wear these certain socks, and I mean, I'll be standing; nobody will really see me. Or if I'm sitting down under the table, nobody'd see it. But I got a. We ate. Somebody was speaking. I got a little relaxed, kind of leaned back, kicked my legs out. And my daughter starts laughing because I have Christmas socks on that have holly and berries and all sorts of stuff. And she's laughing so hard, the speakers on things get in. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're laughing. She couldn't even communicate. She started finally pointing and I got the word socks. Oh, okay, I get it. But it still wasn't life or death. Amen. But you know, some decisions you make might not be immediate life and death, but down the road they can affect things. You know what you we could all go out and eat pretty much whatever today No matter what your health isn't it probably wouldn't affect us too much. Maybe some indigestion depend on what we eat But some people are literally killing themselves with a fork What they're eating and that path they go down can affect them down the road Now listen to what Jesus says in Luke 9:23. He says if anyone desires to come after me then let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me How often are we to take up our cross? Daily. And what does that mean? Kind of a good example, it's when his will comes across our will, and we have that cross. See that cross right there? There's a vertical beam that represents his way, the way to heaven, following Jesus. And then there's this horizontal beam that represents us, that represents the way we want to go. And when you're coming down a road, you're following him, and you hit this crossroads, and it's like, a friend says, hey, come down this road. It's fun. It's exciting. And you kind of look and you think, well, I can go down that road a little bit. I mean, I can just have one drink. I can just head down here a little bit. And you think you can get back to that road. But I'm telling you, how many have been driving down the interstate and you missed the turnoff and you think, well, I can get the next one. And then you're going five miles, ten miles. You think, man, is there ever going to be a turnoff? But sometimes spiritually, some of those decisions that don't seem so bad, you think I can get back there. Sometimes you can't get back there very easy. How many have been down that road where it just wasn't easy? I mean, it took some prayer, some deliverance, some different things to happen to get back on that road. And a lot of times it's not right at that moment that it seems like life or death, but that road can lead to that. Just talking about driving, there's over 250 million registered vehicles on the highways. Now, you might not choose to get in a car wreck. But how many have had an accident in this room? Probably a majority of us. They call them accidents cuz you did not plan them, right? And you could have been doing everything right, but yet somebody else was doing drinking or doing something, ran a red light and caused you to have an accident. Now, there are choices you can make. You can choose to drive defensively. You can choose to wear your seatbelt. I said you can choose to wear your seatbelt. You can choose not to text. You can choose not to drink and drive. You can choose to pray that angels will watch over you and minister to your needs and protect you and keep you from... Does anybody pray when you go out and drive? I'm telling you, you need to. And there are angels to minister to the needs of the saints. But you know, the, the devil's very deceptive. You can come... I'll just kind of hit this one road because, I mean, I know in my life uh, the consequences. You get to this one lo- road and, oh, just one drink. It won't matter. So going down that road of drinking... In my life, I know it would have led to death. It would have been death in my marriage, it would death in my career, and where God wanted to take me, I would have never reached my destiny going down that road. Now, yeah, you have rights. You have the right to go down that road and blaze a trail for your kids to go down it. Oops. And here's kind of what I just kind of reflected on this last week. Uh, how many first of all have been down that road and God set you free and you saw you could smell the death or you got close to it And by the way pastors got a great message He did on uh, alcohol when this whole voting thing came up and did it in a in a way just to present some facts And not to point fingers and i'm not pointing fingers and this is something between you and the lord To, to decide on but in my case, I just want to share that because I saw the difference it made see My son just graduated from Doan College in Crete, Nebraska, the same school I went to. But when I was there, I was heading down that road. And you know, I could sing that song because I was on the road. I'm on a highway to. Uh oh, some of you said it. Better look at your neighbor and ask for forgiveness. I didn't say it. Cussing in church. Oh my gosh. But I'm telling you, it can be a highway to hell in your marriage, it can be a highway to hell in your decision making. It really can. And. So I stopped going down that road 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. I don't go down that road. I'm not tempted to go down that road. I'm thinking if Jesus can wait to have wine, now he's not going to drink till we're in heaven at that great marriage uh, supper we have after the rapture, I can wait till then. And I'll tell you, whenever you put things off and give them to God, he'll bless you for it. But the point I want to make, and I want to move on, is that when I was at college, I petitioned the president and asked him if I could hold a beer marathon. It's where you take a shot of beer every minute and see who the last man or woman is standing. It goes on for hours, and I was just—that's where I was in my life. Thank God he said no, uh, but here's the here's the point I want to make. By me not going down that road now, it's harder for my kids to go down that road, because my son just graduated from there. He petitioned the leadership of that school to have a prayer club and had a prayer club the last three years at that school. Big difference, isn't it? I'm sure a whole lot more proud of him going to college, and it's a, I'm telling you, when you hear Mike Ulmer, it was a different story than when you hear Mike Ulmer now, and it's a a lot better now, amen? So that's just something a little about some decisions I made and uh, the consequences thereof, but you know, the flesh and the devil always make you think you're missing out on something, When you don't go down that road, it's like oh, this will be fun or this this other road this narrow road It's gonna be hard. You're gonna. It's not gonna be any fun You're gonna miss out on everything and you know, it was kind of like that with the Word of God It was like if you read this it's gonna be boring. It's gonna be hard to read uh, And it'll just spoil your fun But you know I found out these are words of life. This is a book of success Young people if you do what this book says to do I promise you you'll be successful When you put this word in your heart, the word declares it. It's even health to your bones, according to the word of God. Amen? Okay, let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about what's going on spiritually right now. And you don't really have to be a great prophet to pick this up. You can just kind of read the paper and get a good idea that it's getting darker. But we've all read about the floodwaters right now. I mean, you see it on TV, the Mississippi, all that's happening, that The floodwaters are rising. But I'm telling you, the spiritual floodwaters are rising right now. They really are. With all that's going on with the Mississippi, they say this is a natural disaster. Well, I'm saying there's a spiritual disaster that's already moving into the church. The floodwaters are rising even right now. And if you'll think of what's going on in our church just in the last few months, the deaths of people, men and women that are in their 40s and 50s, that have more life left in them. A Teenage boy that was connected to our church that lost his life a Young baby a, a newborn baby that was born has been in the hospital several weeks now Because they had to do surgery open its chest up and change the valves in it. There were some major complications and problems and the chest was left open quite a while just for some things to heal and take place and Thank God. It's doing better a young man in our church that one week is playing soccer and the next week fighting for his life. His eight year old had his ninth birthday in the hospital as the doctors are saying, You were at stage three cancer, two more days would have been stage five, couldn't do anything. And the Lord is beginning to turn the tides of that one through prayer. Amen. How many would recognize the flood waters arising? How the Bible says, When the enemy comes in like what? Like a flood. Look what it says in Isaiah 59. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. You know, I believe that standard the Lord lifts up is the church, is his children, are the believers, are the saints of God. That means if we're going to be lifted up, we've got to raise our standards and get up there a little bit. I mean, really ask the Lord what do I need to do? I got a friend of mine that um, went through our youth group, now married and has some children. And just, he's always had a battle with secular music. This is just kind of his little battle. And he just would notice in his life when he'd really get back into the secular music and it would usually get into the stuff that had you know, other cussing and bad stuff in and, and he didn't think it mattered much. But the Lord's really been working with him. He went to the men's ramp, came back, decided, you know what? I'm raising the standard in my TV watching the movies. I'm getting rid of my all of my R-rated movies. And he, had, he told me how many he had. It blew him away. He didn't realize he spent that much money on DVDs. And he said, I'm getting rid of them. And then he started noticing, when he was driving, he had kind of a regular radio station on. Him and his wife were starting to argue a little bit. The kid in the back seat was complaining. And it was just like the Holy Spirit. And he switched it to a Christian station. (sighs) Things settled down. This was just his testimony telling me. But, I mean, you personally asked the Lord in your life, how can I raise that standard? You know, how can I get up there? Uh, Because here's what I believe. This is not a time where you can put out sandbags. And hold the water back. It's literally a time you have to go to higher ground. And I believe our church has to kick it up a notch in our prayer. I mean, how long are we just going to say, okay, come on in flood water. Come on in sickness. Come on in death and disease. Or as a church, are we going to stand up? And I really want to challenge our church in the month of June on Wednesday nights. We're going to take Wednesdays and kind of let our small groups just all gather right here. And have a night where we're just praising, worshiping, praying. But... If you can't make that, I challenge you with your family, your husband and wife. I mean, at least once a week, just pause a little bit and come into agreement and speak the word. Maybe one of your meals as a family, because I know how hard it is when you've got family this way and that way. But, you know, when it's mealtime, I'm proud of the kid that prays the fastest prayer. Because I'm ready to eat. But, you know, maybe just pause a little bit once a week and just say, hey, let's take a little time here before we, before we eat or right after we eat. And really declare some things over your house. Really pray for some things as a church and as a family that we see breakthrough. Amen? You know, instead of maybe filling those sandbags with sand, maybe really draw a line in the sand and say, Devil, that's it. This means war. And you really begin to declare that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church in Jesus' name. Now, the state of Louisiana was having to make some tough decisions this past few weeks with the floodwaters. And they made a decision they were going to have to open some gates up and literally flood some lowlands to protect the bigger cities because we're just kind of counting the costs. There's going to have to be several hundred people relocate, but we could save cities that could be flooded and have major, major damage. But you know those people that uh, in the lowlands, they just couldn't throw out sandbags. They literally had to relocate. And I believe it's a time that the church literally needs to relocate. Not just kind of put a patch here and there or a Band-Aid, but really ask God to change the way we're thinking our mindsets and kick it up a notch in prayer. Not praying those, now I lay me down to sleep prayers, but I mean literally praying the Word of God, taking a stand. And this thing is powerful. It's a weapon. Jesus used it when the enemy come against him. It is written. Do some, it is written. Speak out loud this Word of God because you want to Put it into the atmosphere, into circulation. Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I mean, not just listen to the messages, but speak this word out so you can hear it and build your faith, and the enemy hears it and has to bow his knee and go the other direction. Can anybody say amen? When the floodwaters are coming and going through your living room it's a little late to learn how to swim at that point isn't it but when the spiritual flood waters are coming through how do you swim you swim with prayer you swim with praise you swim with declaring the word that's how you swim and you know what we usually all respond i mean what's the first thing you do when something happens that's bad i think universally we can all say it might start like this oh god those Words, but what are the inflections of those words? What is the direction of those words is it? Oh God? I'm going down. Oh God, I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh God. I'm just so worried. Oh, or is it? Oh God, you are my God You are the God that declares no weapon formed against me will prosper You are the God that'll go through this with me. You are the God that can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible. How do you respond? or what do you do when things happen? Do you panic or do you praise? Do you react or do you respond? Do you get bitter or do you get better? Do you quit and give up or regroup and attack? Do you, when you get knocked down, you choose to stay down or you choose to get up? It's all about choices because you choose. You choose to follow either the flesh or the spirit. And it boils down to either you operate in fear or you begin to act in faith. Now, we all have, you know, the fear comes upon us immediately. But I'm telling you, the more you mature, the more you understand this word, the more you understand who your God is, the more you begin to move in faith. And say, okay, the, and I'm not afraid to mention the facts. If the doctor says this, I'm not, you know, we get all worried. Well, I can't even speak that. You know, okay, these are the facts. He said, I got this, this, and this. But this is what Trump says. I'll play my trump card. It's the word of God that says, this is what the word of God says. By his stripes I am healed. I know it's going to be a battle, but you know what? We can win that battle. Amen? Amen. How many have been in the battle? And we're still believing for some people. But you know what? Why can't we believe for an open heaven over this church?es For marriages to be restored. For cancers to go in the name of Jesus. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a time. And I want our altar workers to be ready to speak life over people. And if you've been prayed 100 times, I'd come up and get prayed again. For Healing to come because we never know when we're gonna punch through those heavenlies and see that ladder come down And the angels ascending and descending and we begin to see the healings manifested Why not now? Why not here? Why not this service in Jesus name, but you know what? There's a battle going on between light and darkness between fear and faith between between the kingdom of the enemy and the kingdom of God and In Matthew 11:12, 12, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force amen now what kind of atmosphere do you have around you when I say atmosphere I was kind of saying that to somebody and all of a sudden it's it clicked I said atmosphere maybe it's spelled like that in some of our lives not just atmosphere but atmosphere And I'm telling you, there's times you need to see the kingdom of heaven come and be established in the the midst of that hospital room. You need to see the kingdom of God and be established in the midst of that situation. And the kingdom of God will only come into an atmosphere of faith. And you can't call down the things of heaven in fear. It's got to be by faith. Amen? It's like this little phrase. Let's endeavor to leave this atmosphere and go to outer faith. The endeavor is kind of a space shuttle. I thought that was kind of cute. Leave this and outer faith. Yeah, amen. But some of us been programmed to react in fear. We've been programmed sometimes through a spirit of inheritance, a curse of generations, stuff passed down through your. My wife was given the spirit of fear from her mom, because her mom basically figured she had to worry about. Things would somehow help if she really worried a lot then maybe that would you know kind of in her prayer was more of a prayer worry and my wife had to fight that battle but thank God she got a hold of the Word of God Psalm 91 and I'm telling you you struggle with fear get a hold of Psalm 91 and she had to walk that out and it's a powerful testimony how the Lord just uh, I mean it was it was a day where Two of our kids, one started to have asthma problems, had to go to the hospital, brought her home. The other one in the middle of the night began to throw up, and she had to nurse her. And meanwhile, I was in Philadelphia playing with the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, and I was away from home. And she's there by herself, worried about fear, and she's walking around the house, uh, you know, nursing one of our babies, trying to get her to calm down. And the next day, this prayer warrior lady calls, Sister Mary, who's just uh, helped me grow tremendously. She calls, and she's talking to her, and she says, what's going on? And she said, well, the kid, she said, and then she stop?" She says, why were you walking around the house last night with your shirt up? There was somebody looking in your window. And she's freaking out. This lady's never been to our house. How did she know we didn't have curtains on the back because there were just uh, trees back there and no houses? And my wife is starting to freak out. She said, well, don't worry because the Lord woke me up, and I prayed for you. And then there was a doorbell rang. She said, just a minute, I get the doorbell. She said, don't answer that. That's the guy that was looking at you. It was our neighbor. And it was like, oh, Lord. But you know what? She was going through a battle where the plagues were coming at noonday and at midnight. And if she was living that that night, and and then the bottom line, the Lord just reminded her, I got your back. I mean, you don't need to fear. I got your back. Amen? I'm telling you. That scripture came alive she had to live it but it came alive now some of you have been programmed to either through your upbringing or maybe just a continual lie. you have to fight and that fear comes up but a computer can only do what it's programmed to do it can't do anything beyond that so if you wanted to do something different you have to reprogram that computer and so some of us need to reprogram our minds it says in Romans 12 too, that we need to renew our minds Because just because you come to the altar and get saved, I mean, that's just the start of Jesus coming in. But then there's the process of renewing your minds, getting rid of all those lies and strongholds that God can come and do powerful things in you. Okay, let's give you a couple choices here, and we'll finish up. Here's one choice. Choose not to react, but choose to respond. Let's say that together. Choose not to react, but choose to respond. Now, the Lord has brought me a long way in this arena. Uh, In most situations, I respond fairly well compared to the past. I try to take a deep spiritual breath and say, Holy Spirit, help me now. Uh, Help me to respond. But I've yet to master this in my marriage and in my family. Isn't that the toughest place? It really is. Now, every once in a while... uh, if something doesn't go right, I might raise my voice a little bit, might have an attitude a little bit, but it's usually only when I'm tired or hungry, which is about 75% of the time. Can all the men say amen? But you know what? When we react with harsh words, we speak death. I mean, I can see when I've, when I've done something, all of a sudden my wife's couch is, just, so, uh, I did it. We either speak life or death. And those words can hurt and cause damage. And I pray, Holy Spirit, help me continue to do a better job at this. Another choice. Choose not to be offended. Choose to offer solutions. Okay? When you hit a wall, you can either get offended or you say, hey, back up a little bit. Okay, Holy Spirit, what's how do I how do I pursue this? How do I go after this? You know, the most probably the most reasons people quit church is because somebody gets offended. They take an offense think about that take an offense. It's like a doctor standing before you. hey I got some tumors and cancers. I'd like to give you would you take it? I don't think so But yet the enemy tries to get us offended and we'll take that offense And I'm telling you when you take that offense you've just given the enemy place in your life And he will wear you out with it. That's why some of you have gone from church to church to church You need to back up and just realize you're gonna get offended in your family in your church this is a family the enemy will come but how do you respond you know try not to react but respond listen to what Jesus says about some of these things first of all in Matthew 24 he's talking about that whole chapters about the last days the disciples say, what's gonna be like you know and he, he begins to explain what it's gonna be like in the last day last day gonna be some tough times it basically the floodwaters are gonna rise In the last days. And in verse 10, he says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Do you get offended easily? Had a person uh, call our church because they wanted to do something here and it didn't quite work out. And the words came out, I'm offended. This is my, like you couldn't accommodate me. And the the person shared in confidence with me, you know, that, you know, that was just their feelings. But you think about that a minute. I mean, how easily we can get offended. And how it can affect you matter of fact I encourage you if you have that problem get the book or the DVD series or go to one of our small groups that have this DVD series John Bevere the bait of Satan that's the bait Satan uses to get you hooked and cause all sorts of problems in your life okay this is what Jesus was talking about in John first in John 6 Jesus started preaching some tough things and some of the disciples that were following him said okay this is about as far as we can go that stuff sounds a little crazy I mean you know eat my flesh and drink whatever that stuff is I don't know but anyhow they decided to stop following and listen what Jesus said in verse 61 when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained first of all the complaining is the door that opens to the Avenue of offense he said to them does this offend you verse 63 Jesus said it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing the words that I speak to you are spirit and They are life. We either speak from the flesh and we speak death or we speak from the spirit and we speak life Basically it's complaining or blessings it's fear or faith and you know that offenses can destroy or delay your destiny It can an offense can delay or destroy your destiny. Listen to what Jesus said when somebody got in the way of his destiny. Matthew 16, 23. He says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of his destiny. And you know what? Carnal, lukewarm Christians will speak the things of men to keep you from your destiny. Even family members out of a good heart can speak things out of their soul or out of their flesh that could be maybe seem good, but they are flesh. They are the things of men, not the things of God. And when you're in a spiritual battle, when the spiritual floodwaters are rising, you don't need to speak the things of men then. You need to speak the things of life, the things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more choice. If you fall down, choose not to stay down. But choose to get up a good friend of mine says it this way we all have setbacks but don't take a step back because Jesus will help you make a comeback one more time I said we all have setbacks but don't take a step back because Jesus will help you make a comeback amen Matthew 24 that same chapter Jesus talking about the end times and talking I get offended verse 13 but he who endures to the end will be saved it's great to come run into the altar but after that, are you really walking for God? Are you going to stick with Him to the end? Because I'm telling you, it won't be a bed of roses just because you're a Christian. Matter of fact, the times I stepped out for God is when sometimes the attack got worse. But you know, it's always cost you more to step back and to give up. It always costs you more. You think, well, man, this is going to cost me a lot following you. It'll cost you more not to be obedient. Can any children, uh, teenagers, say that you've realized? Say sometimes it costs you more to not be obedient than just to be obedient. In the words of Winston Churchill, one of the greatest speeches, one of the shortest greatest speeches ever. Never 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 give in. Never give in. Never give in, never give in to fear. Don't give in to reacting. Don't give in to getting offended. Don't give in to giving up. Giving up can be a ha- it can become a habit. That's why I encourage my children, don't quit things when you start something. It's a sports or something, because sometimes it can be, sometimes you you might have to, but there are just times you do. But it can be a habit. And there's a spirit that's over this generation, a spirit that wants to try to get you to quit and give up. I'm really proud of you young people sticking around Texarkana, because sometimes that spirit would say, you know, if you just leave town, then things will get better. And sometimes you need to leave town if God's leading you, but you don't need to just run away from town because you think things will get better. And I'm telling you, I think God's going to do some great in this city and in the cities that some of you young people are sent to. And maybe, praise God, he might send you back here after you get some education. We'll see what happens. But don't give up because there's no losers in the Christian faith. There's only quitters. We're going to watch a quick video that maybe a lot of you have already seen on YouTube, but uh, it should inspire you not to give up. And when you fall down, I believe you can get up if this guy can. Amen. Powerful, isn't it? That's a Christian man. You had to do a little search, and uh, he speaks in churches, has his Bible out there. I'm telling you, powerful. Nick Wojcik, something like that, just type in no arms, no legs, you'll find it. It'll be there. Or just type best motivational message, it'll come up too. I want to close with this mess- this uh, scripture. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord. Who created you O israel the one who formed you says do not be afraid for I have ransomed you I have called you by name. You are mine when you go through deep waters. I will be with you When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up The flames will not consume you for I am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior powerful scripture I want to give you three life applications to take with you as we close. Number one, relax in God's plan. Realize God does have a plan for you, and his plan is bigger than your problem you're going through. Okay? God has a plan. If you're here today and you don't have a clue of that plan, if you really don't know God, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? You somebody asked me that 20 some years ago, I didn't have the answer. I even though I went to church, I was just showing up on Sunday. See, when you're going I was just showing up on Sunday living like the devil the rest of the week. But then I realized when somebody shared that God had a plan for me to understand that plan, I had to invite him into my life to ask him to forgive my sins and start a relationship. And when I did that, then I began to sense his plan and his peace in my life. But he has a plan for you. Number two is recognize God's presence. When you pass through the waters, he said, I will be with you. His presence, he will be there with you. But what you need is a habitation, not a visitation. Because when you're going through, I mean, just coming to church on Sunday and visiting God, I mean, when you leave, does he go with you? And that can only happen if you've made a place for him in your life, in your heart. Because he doesn't choose to live in this church building or in the fancy glass cathedral somewhere. He chooses to live in the hearts of men and women. But you've got to invite him in there. He said he wants to make his home in you. And with his home comes his peace, his plan, and his presence. Number three, rely on God's protection. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. God solves problems as you're going through not as you lay down and quit and give up but as you're going through something you got to keep moving keep moving in prayer keep moving in faith keep speaking life over the situation choose to operate in faith and continue to speak this word out now I want to go back to that one scripture we talked about but I want to think when you're going through something He'll be there with you, and how many feel like it's kind of hard to hear God's voice? I was staring in a class, and I was kind of saying that, you know, because it's a, it's a prayer of mine that I could hear God's voice, and that's why I keep a journal, a little prayer journal, just to make little notes once in a while, because I can go back, and I ask questions to God, you know, I kind of, like in junior high, do you like me, circle yes or no, or like, Lord, should I do, should I buy this or sell this, and I, I just try to what jumps out more yes or no and i'll circle it but i'll go back and say okay lord you did speak to me you did uh you did say something to me and that's how you get to learn to hear god's voice by spending time with him in his word and in prayer when my wife calls i don't have to ask who it is I spend time with her. I know her voice. So on one hand, it's very hard for me to hear the voice of God when I'm in the midst of a situation, and I realized why. It's not that God's not speaking. It's my voice is so loud, and the world is so loud, and the enemy is so loud that I just can't hear his voice over all those voices. So the challenge is to get me in a position where I can get quiet. And sometimes it takes me a while, praying in the Spirit and worshiping a little bit and just going maybe out of my house and coming to church just going somewhere. But that's the real challenge, just to get me to shut up so I can hear God's voice. Because God speaks in the still, small voice. Not in the earthquake, in the the whirlwinds, but in that still, small voice. But he wants to speak to you. This is the first place he'll speak. But that last, that verse I talked about, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will Now, in the original, there's really not punctuation in the middle of it. Like we have that comma, when the enemy comes in like a flood, (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. In a lot of the other versions, it really puts the comma in the other place. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And so you begin to think, yeah, the enemy's coming in. I'm going through this and I'm going through that. But like a flood, the Spirit of God will come in. And that tidal weight will turn back anything the enemy's got. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, that's all I got to say about that. Let the Holy Spirit finish wherever he wants to. But, you know, we're going to go back, Pastor Nick will come up, and we're going to go back into a song. But I really want our altar workers to come up here and be ready to speak life over people. And I'm going to believe for healings to happen today, I'm going to believe my shoulder to be totally healed. I got prayer last night, and I'm doing a whole lot better, but I'm going to believe total healing there. We'll believe for family members, to, I mean, if they need saved or healing, whatever it is. But I want to go back and ask this one question one more time before we close, because this is the most important question of the day, If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? You need to have an answer to that question. Because it says in 1 John 5 that you can know where you'll spend eternity. How many in here, you have a relationship with Jesus and you know where you'd go uh, if you died today? Most of us in this room. But maybe you weren't sure. Well, how can you really know? Or, or while well, I've been to church, I'm talking about having a relationship where you invite him in. And sin keeps us from experiencing that relationship and that love. But Jesus on that cross paid the price for our sins. But the price is not paid until you receive that gift of salvation, that gift that he'll pay that debt. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you want to get things right with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you've never invited Christ into your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And by doing that, You're inviting God to come make his home in here. Because religion tries to change you from the outside in. Don't do this and do that. But what I'm talking about is a relationship where he'll come on the inside and begin to cook you like a microwave oven from the inside out and change you. And you'll begin to experience his peace and his plan when you follow him. And he'll help you when you get to that crossroads to make the right decisions. So if you're here today, you need to get things right with God you've gotten off track, or you've never invited him in, The day's the day you want to invite Jesus Christ in your life because he will not force his way in. But I believe he's standing at the door of your heart and knocking right now. And if you open that door, he said he will come in. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But you have to receive him. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. So on a count of three, if that's you, hold up your hand and we'll pray for you right where you're at. One, two, three. You need to get things right with God. You need to invite him into your life. Anybody? Anybody else? Just long enough for me to see your hand way back in the back room. Anybody? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Give me a hand clap. God bless you. Amen. This is your day. Thank you, Jesus. One more chance for anybody else. If you didn't get a chance to raise your hand, you feel something tugging at your heart, don't leave this place. You're in an atmosphere right now of faith. When you go out, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Today could be your day. One more time. Anybody else who didn't get a chance to raise your hand and you feel like, hey, I need to make this step toward Christ. Amen. All right. I want. right. We're going to stand in a minute. We're going to start to sing. Altar workers are going to come up here. Let's go ahead and stand on our feet. Altar workers come. If you raise your hand, come on down right now. I want to say a prayer together with everybody. I'll uh, just repeat one. So if you raise your hand, come on down. Altar workers are coming. And then we'll have a time for ministry, for for healing or deliverance or fullness of the Holy Spirit and His power. Well, let's give them a hand clap, those that raise their hand as they climb. As a matter of fact, if you raise your hand, would you come over here by the cross? I want Pastor Travis to come over. If you raise your hand for salvation, to get things right with God, I want you to come right here. And I want some of our Christian believers just to be ready to come behind them. But let's say this prayer together all over this room. And especially you that came to the cross here today. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Everybody in this room. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask you to come into my life. Make your home in me. I want to sense your presence. I want to sense your peace. I want to know your plan. But I ask you to forgive me for my sins. And I thank you that today is a new day. I receive your forgiveness I receive your power in Jesus name amen give Jesus a hand clap amen I want these altar workers to kind of remain here because as we sing if you need healing in your body if you need deliverance but I also want if you're a Christian and you know how to lead somebody to the Lord or just pray with them and you're a member of our church I want somebody behind every person here as Pastor Joe gives them some information and see if they need any special, you know, needs or prayers. So I'm just kind of invite, you know, anybody, church, family. Thank you, Jesus. Now, fathers, we worship you. We're believing as people come to the altar. If they need deliverance, they'll be delivered. If they need healing, they'll be healed. But Lord, we thank you for these that have given their life to you today or recommitted their life. And we declare a blessing over them. We break the spirit of death off of them, and we release the spirit of life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. One more time. Hand clap. Let's go ahead and sing. Stick with me for one song, and I'll formally dismiss you. You can go ahead and come to the altar now. I call out His name. Jesus. Call out His name. Jesus. Oh, and you. He's gonna answer. You.